Recovery Elevator, episode 270. And of course, you start doing those tests. Like everybody takes those tests. Do I have a drinking problem? And you start checking the boxes. And then, of course, you retake them. And then you, you, you fudge the score. And you're really okay. But you know you're not really okay. Welcome to the Recovery Elevator Podcast. My name is Paul Churchill. Thank you so much for joining us. You guys, on today's podcast, we've got Tom. He's 64 years old. He's from Cleveland, Ohio, and he took his last drink on February 16th, 2019. He talks about how he quit drinking for 14 years and how he had five months of day ones. It's a great interview. You guys are going to love it. And before we get any further, let's hear it from Cafe RE. And guys, this is a resource that I highly recommend you at least try out. You can cancel at any time. If it's not right for you, we will refund you. If $19 a month is too much, we'll get you on whatever rate you can afford. Let's hear from my favorite resource in recovery, which is getting me through these times, Cafe RE. When departing from alcohol, here are the two main keys to success. You need a supportive, loving community and you have to create accountability with others who have the same goal in mind. Whether you want to ditch the booze for a month, a year, or simply sober curious, you'll get both of these in Cafe RE. These groups are unsearchable on Facebook. Who is in the group and what is said can only be seen by members. You get 24-7 access to a group full of others whose priority it is to live an alcohol-free life. These groups are capped at under 400 members to ensure quality connection. In Cafe RE, you'll find that quitting drinking can be fun. For $19 a month, you get access to the community, get paired with an accountability partner, attend educational online webinars, online discussions, attend in-person meetups, participate in book club, movie club, and more. You'll also get discounts to retreats and sober travel trips. 15% of monthly fees goes towards our service project where we work with a nonprofit helping those who have been affected by addiction, and another portion goes to the in-person meetups. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. Again, use the promo code OPPORTUNITY to waive the setup fee. I hope to see you there. Hey guys, included in Cafe RE is the six-week course called Ditching the Booze, the What, the Why, and the How. It's geared towards the newcomer who is exploring an alcohol-free life. This is going to start Tuesday, May 19th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. The first week, we are going to put you in masterminds to create that accountability. There's going to be daily check-ins. You're going to have a chance to share your story. Week two, we cover cravings, what they are, how to recognize them, and how to move the energy. Week three, we're going to cover routine and vitality, how to develop a practical 30-minute morning and evening routine. We're also going to cover basic health nutrition tips, learn what supplements and vitamins your body may be missing. Week four, we're going to get coherent on our future life. We're going to be using your own songs to help you raise and elevate your energy in this moment where you're going to draw your future alcohol-free life to yourself. Week five, we're going to cover mindfulness and meditation. You're going to participate in guided sitting, walking, and breathing meditations. You're going to get access to more meditations that I've personally created, both the music and the voiceover. And the last week, week six on June 23rd, we're going to be connecting the spirit. The opposite of addiction is connection, and you're going to learn ways to reveal the illusion of fear and separation. Now, this course, Ditching the Booze, the What, the Why, and the How, is open to all Cafe RE members. And again, it starts Tuesday, May 19th at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. How's everyone's retreat going? What? 
You didn't know you were on retreat? So sometimes devout Buddhists choose to go live in a mountain cave to isolate high up in the Himalayas for years on end to go inside to find inner peace. So let's all pretend, or maybe not pretend, simply embrace this as a self-development retreat. And if your retreat contains kids who now are around you non-stop, or the same goes with a spouse, consider them part of the learning experience. For myself, ironically, my retreat is taking place at the same location the addiction to alcohol started, my parents' basement. That's right. I came here early March for Pink Vale, which is a cancer fundraiser event, which has, of course, been canceled. And now I'm podcasting from the same place that the grotesque story from Rule 22 took place. No joke, I'm 15 feet away from that window well. Fortunately, the basement is now finished, and I no longer drive a 1982 Volkswagen Quantum. For this episode, I want to read people's experiences of their retreat, or what sobriety is like during a pandemic. I got the idea for this episode from a listener named Ruth who sent me an email. And guys, after the interview with Tom, I'm going to personally share with you what I think the coronavirus is trying to tell us. Okay, so here's the email from Ruth. She says, Hey Paul, I was wondering if you've done, or will do, an episode about the pandemic and relapses and how the pandemic is affecting people's sobriety, especially those in early recovery. She says, I had 40 days, longest ever by a lot, when the pandemic got very real and it had a huge impact on my personal life, as it has for everyone, and I caved. I thought I could get away with it just this once, air quotes. Well, as you can guess, I couldn't. I almost immediately found myself drinking exactly as I had been prior to quitting. I was drinking because I was drinking. Luckily, I pulled it together and started over. Hardest day one ever. But now I'm on day five. I'm grateful for the lessons it has taught me, and I'm so glad to be sober again. So glad that it didn't take me under for longer. So it's got me thinking a lot about people who have relapsed, might have relapsed, or feel more urges, etc., during these crazy, stressful times that are scary. And I'd love to hear what you have to say to help those people. Ruth. Ruth, thank you for listening. Congratulations on getting to day five. Thank you for the idea. After I read your email, I put a post in the Cafe RE groups asking for their experiences. So here are some experiences from the people that I reached out to in the groups. And listeners, for the next however many episodes, who really knows at this moment, I want to share your experiences, what you're going through, the obstacles that you're facing, what you're feeling at this current moment. Email me at info at recoveryelevator.com and I'll share it with the audience. And guys, regardless if you're on day one, day zero, or day 1000, I want to hear from you. We are all in this together, so please reach out. Okay, so here are some experiences. This one is from Brandon from Madison, Wisconsin. He says, I typically turn to alcohol to numb the feelings and to get out of my head. It definitely has been a challenge since my partner works on the front lines of healthcare, testing individuals that come into the clinic. I hear the firsthand stories of having to use the same equipment all day and wash them off in between. It stresses me out to feel that weight on me as well and the ever-growing fear that he will come back home with the virus. Both of us are in good health and know what to do, but the uncertainty right now, that's the big point. I've made statements like, I could really use a drink, or the only way to get through this is to drink. 
But thankfully, making and rereading lists of what others mean to me and how that it would all fall apart if I drank again is getting me through that and daily walks and meditations, which is a better way to calm the mind. This one's from Autumn from Des Moines, Iowa. I'm 90 days sober as of today, not my first rodeo. Thankfully, I have had zero cravings this time around, but still do struggle with thoughts which are fleeting. One thought I had was when several coworkers shared that they were drinking while we work from home. I thought, hmm, maybe I could just have one, but then I quickly retracted that statement because I know I cannot drink. I figured, how could I do something I know is so detrimental to my health while others are in hospitals just trying to breathe? I need to be thankful that I am still here each and every day, one day at a time. Thank you, Autumn. This one's from Tim from Illinois. Fuck, did I pick a time to quit drinking or what? It's been a roller coaster of day ones, and I'm seeing new ways that the mind is tricking me into drinking. Government-ordered isolation, along with the isolation of addiction, is almost too much at times. I'm not really sure how I'm going to make it through this. Tim, brother, my man, the key word there is almost. You said it's almost too much at times. Now, Tim, life will only put on our plate as much as we can handle at any given moment. And we are all getting a heaping dose of the unknown right now. I'm right there with you, Tim, all times. Stick with me, buddy. This next one is from Adam from Boston, Massachusetts. He says, honestly, this is the first time in nearly 18 months alcohol-free that I have romanticized the notion of drinking. There's so much time to fill, additional stressors, and nowhere to go. A ripcord into relaxation would be a welcome distraction, but that's a fleeting thought that I have time to time. I use the same tools available in early recovery. Most important is playing the tape forward. I ask myself, how will drinking make me feel the next day? What about the next week? What about 18 months from now? How much trouble will it be to purchase alcohol regularly in this environment? What about how far I've come and how much better my life is now? I answer these questions honestly and thoughtfully, and it brings me back to center. But it is hard, and it is harder in some ways than other points in my journey. I'm resolute in my conviction to stay alcohol-free, but I was surprised those fleeting thoughts still existed in my mind. This one is from Monica from New Hampshire. This pandemic has really changed a lot about my world and the world as a whole. I'm a very social person who loves being surrounded by people, so this has been a bit of a struggle. I've had to lay people off. I've had to see the complete uncertainty they face moving forward. But through it all, I have remained sober, five months and eight days today. I get slightly bothered when I see other people's posts on Facebook about drinking all day, etc. But I know deep down, this is not what I want. I have been working with my sponsor through the steps, attending Zoom meetings, reading alcohol as shit with my accountability partner, walking outside, and enjoying the extra time with my family and dog. I am trying to stay positive and just taking it one day at a time through this uncertain time of life. This next one is from Karen. This pandemic has caused me to go deep into my spiritual self. I'm filling my spirit with wisdom and hope from people I know and don't know, but in whom I trust. Many of the people in Cafe RE are those kind of people. I'm reading scriptures, listening to podcasts, checking in with my family and community, and most important, helping an elderly neighbor who is housebound. I also try to get out daily for a couple of hours with my dog, Jake. That is precious thinking and reflecting time. This next one is from Will in Queens, New York City. 
This pandemic has impacted my job. I'm on an IT contract position, and just two weeks ago, it was looking like I might have been converted to a full-time employee. And if not that, I had a number of promising leads. I'm out of a job now as a 4-1. As of right now, I know people who have been sick for over a week or have tested positive. I have concern for all my friends and family because we are in the epicenter. My wife is also a flight attendant, so she is out and about, so there is concern there too. With that said, I am calm and I am still at peace. I am looking for opportunities to grow from this, both personally and hopefully for our society as a whole, to gain perspective on what matters and how much we already have. Could this be a reshuffling of the deck, a chance to reprioritize? Will I be able to show up to that opportunity and be catapulted into a new positive direction? There is no room for drinking in that picture. I have fleeting thoughts, but do not act on them. There is no solution there, just temporary relief followed by more pain and suffering. Now is the time to be the best version of myself. I keep recovery at the center of my life so that I remain centered. I practice a daily routine so that I can be physically, emotionally, and spiritually fit. I connect to my source, call it God, higher power, the universe, whatever you like. I set an intention in the morning and ask for willingness. I look to be present and practice gratitude. I remain teachable and find lessons in the challenges I encounter. I eat healthy and get the blood flowing throughout the day because I need endorphins to keep my headspace in check. I get to the ocean when I'm able to and when there is space. I listen to upbeat, inspiring music. I keep the vibes positive. I try to be of service because that's what it's all about. This next one is from Corey. The pandemic is the only thing that has kept me going strong. I'm on day 21. That's the longest I've been in years because all my gigs are canceled and that was my biggest trigger. So I'm free and clear as a musician of these gigs so I can stay at home and be safe. Corey, way to use this thing in your favor. This next one is from Lisa and she was interviewed in episode 260 and she's from Minnesota. She says, I have noticed that since all of this, I'm way more anxious than normal. I'm lacking human interaction with coworkers, friends at meetings, my church peeps, and hugs. Hugs are probably the biggest thing I am missing right now, and it can take me back to a place of loneliness, the same loneliness I felt at the end of my drinking. That is where I am periodically throughout the day, at least two to three times during the day, I'd say. And I really want to say that those are my cravings. That's when a drink would be really good. Getting wasted always took away the worry until the next morning. I know where drinking takes me mentally, physically, and spiritually. It leads to sadness and all of sadness's ugly stepsisters. I just don't want to go back there. So currently, to battle the pan, I'm doing my best to attend online meetings. I'm loving all the webinars that you guys have created for Cafe RE, and I'm doing my best to attend those. I work a 12-step program. I found that attending the online book study meeting seems to be the most beneficial. I've spoken with friends and they talk about gratitude. Every day I try to identify three things I'm most grateful for and I try to keep it unique and simple. I could say I'm grateful for my kids, but that's not very unique. LOL. I know that none of this is in anyone's control and more than anything, I pray to the God of my understanding because he is bigger than me. So I put my faith in him because where there is faith, fear cannot exist. And one more here from Margie. She says, hi there. So this triggered my past experience in the mortgage crisis, and I was feeling vulnerable financially. I'm worried about my job, my house, my money, my future, and then my elderly mom with Alzheimer's took a turn for the worse. 
I have wanted to drink for a week now, but have not done it, primarily due to having burned the ships and my family will be all over me. Then it occurred to me this is happening to me so that I can help someone else someday who is struggling. And Margie, that's what you're doing right now with your words or helping other people. Thank you very much. So again, email me at info at recoveryelevator.com. Reach out. And you see what I'm doing here? And even if this email takes 15 minutes, and there's a chance I'm going to get too many emails that I won't be able to read yours or even respond. But I promise you, it will be read. You are reaching out. You are going against the voice that is saying, let's double isolate on this. So please, like I said, do not double isolate. Do not double down on any of the emotions that you're feeling. And cut yourself a break. Earlier, Ruth wondered, what words would I say to you all? Right now, seems like a damn good time to practice some unequivocal self-love and compassion. You might have said to yourself, look, I've got all this free time. I'm going to pick up a new hobby. I'm going to do yoga. I'm going to do this project. I'm going to stay alcohol-free regardless of where you're at, what you're feeling in this moment. Love yourself and recognize that you're doing your best. These are unprecedented times. These challenges are new. Okay, the mind, the brain, which is what most people have latched onto for the majority of their life, it is going to come up with the known. It's going to try to present a case of familiarity, and that's going to guide you to what you've done in the past. Okay, breaking old habits in general is difficult. Compile that with the pandemic. Look, we've got plenty of opportunities ahead of us, right? And if you can stay sober during this, you can stay sober during anything. But do me a favor, if your plans to be alcohol-free have been thrown out the window during this pandemic, all I want you to do is love yourself regardless of where you're at on this journey. Can you do that for me? In fact, let's do this right now. Regardless of where you're at, you're driving, you're sitting, you're listening, you're running, whatever you're doing, tell yourself, look, I'm doing my best and I love you regardless this love has to be unconditional without strings attached. It's not if we make it today without alcohol or if I wake up tomorrow morning and do my meditation, do my run, connect to these many people, check off this many boxes, then I'll love myself. It can never be. It could never have been that way and it never will be able to be that way. It has to be unconditional love right now in this moment. So regardless of where you're at in your journey, if your definition of success was met yesterday, you're meeting it now, or you think you're going to meet it tomorrow, throw that stuff out the window and tell yourself right now, regardless of what's happening, regardless of your emotional, physical, financial state, that you're okay and that you are loved, loved by the only and the most important thing that can love you, which is you. This love for yourself that we will continue to deepen with. It's not a yes or no type thing. This love is not contingent on a clock. It's not contingent if you have a week away from alcohol, a year, five years, 10 years, or 20 years. It doesn't matter if you got up early and did yoga, stretched, worked out, or did all these things that you told yourself that you're going to do with all this extra free time. This is unconditional love non-transactional love for yourself that has nothing to do with what you did or accomplished yesterday, what you're going to do, what you're going to accomplish tomorrow, but just how you are right now in this moment. 
So I do a guided meditation and you can actually get this meditation at the homepage of recoveryelevator.com. Just go to recoveryelevator.com, enter your email address, and you're going to get a couple of guided meditations. And I'm going to continuously add to this list. And one of them is building that unequivocal self-love internally that has nothing to do with external factors or what lists you accomplish or how well that you tell yourself you're doing. So again, join me with these guided meditations. Go to the homepage of recoveryelevator.com and you can get these for free. Okay. Now let's hear from Tom. You guys, you're going to love this interview. This guy is such a rock star. Tom, my man, how are you? I'm doing great, Paul. How are you? Tom, I'm doing great. Let's get right into this. When was your last drink? It was February 16th, uh, 2018. 2018 or 19? Uh, 19. I'm sorry, 2019. That's okay. That's okay. And ladies and gentlemen, I, 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 I will never forget Tom's sobriety date for several reasons. Is Number one, February 17th is the official Tom Top Day in two groups, Cafe Ari Up and Cafe Ari Go. And Tom was nominated mayor of Cafe Ari Go last year on uh, August or September of 2019. And, and Tom, I wasn't going to bring this up, but I've got a bone to pick with you. And, and actually, my ego has a bone to pick with you. So when I hit a milestone this last September, I was five years alcohol-free. You're supposed to say, nice job, Tom. Oh, nice job. That was great, Paul. <laughs> I remember that day. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. All right. Well, it was, the, I, it was the book launch day, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to that. But what <laughs> I'm getting at, Tom, is on my big day, I had, you know, I'm not counting. I didn't count, but uh, I'd, I'd say probably... Uh, 163 graphics, comments, posts, and likes. All right, I was counting, totally counted. And however, on your date, Tom Top Day, on February 17th, you not only surpassed that number, you absolutely destroyed my number. So I'm supposed to be the most popular guy in Cafe RE, Tom. How did you do it? I mean, there were hundreds and hundreds of graphics and videos. Somebody even wrote you a personalized song. So I just want to say congratulations, and I'm so happy that you made one year. And how did that day, how did that day feel? What was that like for you? Well, it was certainly overwhelming. I didn't, I didn't expect anything like that. I've got a ton of friends in, in Cafe Ari, and that's been the biggest part. That's been my entire well, not my entire, but it kicked off my entire sobriety toolbox. And so I've been trying to support people for a long time. And obviously, people appreciate that, obviously. And so it was really, really nice to have them recognize the fact that they appreciate it. So it was, it was an amazing day. It really was. So, Tom, we'll, we'll get to your story and your background. But I want to say something, that I, that a message that I tell people when they sign up to Cafe RE which you fully embraced. And that message is don't ask what can you get from your membership at a cafe or e, but ask what you can give. And Tom showed up and he hit the ground running and he started making these graphics when people made milestones and anybody can make graphics. But after a couple months of watching Tom and usually people, you know, they come out of the gates hot, they'll post daily inspiration for 30 days, 15 days, 40 days, and then they kind of peter off. But Tom, after a couple months, I'm like, does he have access to a sobriety milestone database that I don't have access to? Like, how does he keep his Rolodex organized? Because every day there, there are milestones. 
and he showed up and just started being of service and, and giving so much to, to the community that when you hit one year, I think the Facebook servers almost shut down with the amount of videos and the graphics and it made my heart swell. It was so, it was so incredible. And I hope you enjoyed that day, but actually, how do you, how do you keep all the sobriety milestones? Uh, yeah. Honest question here, Tom. I do have a spreadsheet and, uh, but, and so the yearly or the uh, the monthly milestones are pretty easy to keep track of, but it's the it's the daily ones where you know it's not a it's not a straight linear path. And so you've got people who who might be on day thirty seven, but they n- might not make it to day sixty. So those I kind of I really I really check out the uh, I check out the roll call very very carefully and and make some notes and see who might be up for uh, a milestone during the week. So that's really how I do it. Is the spreadsheet color-coded? Not yet, but maybe I need to do that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah we had somebody cancel Cafe RE, and they said, yeah, Cafe RE was great, it was cool, but I'm actually going to miss Tom the most. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I laughed so hard when I saw that. Uh, so I want to say thank you. <laughs> it's, it's the individuals that come together as a whole that make the community. So it's all it's much more important than just one person, including myself, but... I do want to shine the spotlight on you for a second and just say thank you. You're a big part of Go and a reason why Cafe RE Up has, has been such a successful launch. So thank you, Tom. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. And I, uh, I've, obviously, it's a huge part of my life, and I really enjoy being involved in both of those groups. Okay. Mayor Tom Top on the podcast. This is an episode that I've had several requests for, and I interviewed or I, or I emailed Tom and you think you declined the first one. And even before I hit the, the record button, you said, my life has been filled with anxiety. I'm shy. This is why I drank. And in, in another correspondence with me, you said, uh, let me hyperventilate for a week and I'll get back to you. I think that's something what you said. So <laughs> here we are. We're doing it. I want to say way to push through the envelope of your comfort zone. We're on the podcast interview right now. We're five minutes and 55 seconds in. We've clearly defined that you are the more popular person on this podcast right now. How are you feeling about it? Uh, well, I'm pretty proud of that fact. You know, I'm in good company here, so uh, it's, it's nice to be appreciated. Yeah, we're going to have fun. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right, Tom. Mayor Top. Give listeners a little background about yourself, where you're from, what you do for a living, your age, and what do you like to do for fun? I'm 64. I live along the Lake Erie shore, just west of Cleveland in Ohio. I've been married for 35 years. I have two children. I've got a 25-year-old son in Oregon and a 30-year-old daughter in Boston. So despite the uh, geographic uh, distances, we're a very close family. Uh, for fun, I really, I, did I say I was a graphic artist? I'm not sure if I mentioned that, but obviously I'm a graphic artist. Uh, by uh, that's, my, that's my job. And, the, uh, and what I do for fun, I love to cook. Absolutely love to cook. And that led me into vegetable gardening. So I have big vegetable gardens here all summer long. do a lot of canning. And I'm a, I'm a history buff. I just love history. Favorite and dish to cook? Spending time with the family. Oh, I don't know. You know, I've I've gotten a lot of compliments on for for I went to the uh, I did a meetup and I made enchilada chicken enchiladas and those seem to be very very well received. So so I'd have to say uh, something that people really enjoy. You know, always automatically becomes one of your favorite dishes to cook. Hmm, I love it. Have you heard of Dan Carlin? You said you're a history buff, right? Yes. Yes. 
Hardcore yeah. history. Yeah, he's got these podcast episodes. Dan Carlin is called Hardcore History, and they're like four hours and 50-minute episodes. I highly recommend them. I heard one about Genghis Khan. I always called him Genghis Khan. Apparently, it's Genghis Khan. <laughs> right. Did you, did you know Genghis Khan killed his own brother as a child, like when they were like adolescence age? I did not know that. Yeah, I mean, crazy <laughs> stuff that how Dan Carlin does it. Yeah, cool stuff. All right, Mayor Top, let's do this. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. Give listeners background about your drinking, <laughs> how much you drank, when you first recognized it was a problem. Did you attempt to moderate? Did you have any rock bottom moments? Get us up to speed, Tom, and leave some time for the year you have not had a drink of alcohol from February 16th, February 17th on of 2019. I'm excited to hear it, Tom. Here we go. All right. I started drinking in high school, which would have been around 1972. And because of being shy and and not uh, and having social anxiety, it was immediately it was immediately a hit for me, and and so I drank regularly for probably about eighteen years. I didn't I didn't drink every day. It was it was more of a more of a binging situation, going out partying. It really it really helped make me social. It was like a shot. I drank whiskey and it was like a shot of adrenaline and it just pumped me up and just made me very outgoing. And, and I liked it. So I did that for about 18 years. And then around 1991, I was driving home from a wedding and I got a DUI and I hadn't really, I had never thought about quitting drinking at all, but that just rocked my world. I, that just, knocked me back and instantly I just stopped drinking and I, and it was, I didn't count days. I didn't plan it. I didn't say I'm going to quit drinking for a period of time or forever. I just once thought I would dial it down, but I ended up not drinking for about 14 years. Hang which on. So after great. Your, this it, DUI, you're driving home for a wedding, you get a DUI and it, 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 it rocked your world and you quit drinking for 14 years. Is that what I heard? That's correct. Whoa. Okay. It was, it, yeah. Wow. And, and then what, what happens after the 14 years? And then for some reason, you know, I start easing back into it because I wasn't, it wasn't like I had set a date and said I'll never drink again. Okay. But then I, I just started drinking occasionally and, and that went on for years too. And I was, I wasn't drinking too much. You know, we'd go out and we'd have a, we'd be, have a party and I'd be feeling good. It would make me again, using it as a, as a social lubricant. So I just, it just kind of gradually built on that then uh and then takes me to about night so i did that f for about uh from 2005 to about 2017 and and then i i kind of came to the realization that i think i think that the drinking was causing me more anxiety than it was actually reducing so i i real, real became quick. sober curious so so mayor top talk to us about the anxiety and how you recognize that it was causing more anxiety than it was solving well, it was, it became, it became such a, uh, it became such a pattern that I, it, it just, it took a lot of, it took a lot of energy, you know, when you're planning, when you're always planning events and you're planning, you're drinking at an event. And then, and then because of the fact that I was an introvert, I would want to have some drinks before the event. And, and, and then I'd be anxious about drinking or uh, after the fact, you know, you the next day it's like, well, and then you wonder about, you know, did you maybe did you say something that you shouldn't have said? Although I've always been, 
I've always been uh, very good natured, so I knew I didn't insult anybody. But you kind of worry about maybe you don't maybe you don't remember exactly what you said to somebody, and so that causes anxiety. Sure. Then, then in uh, around around two thousand, so that that went on. Then around two thousand seventeen, I started listening to Recovery Elevator. I just thought I really thinking maybe this isn't the best path for me. And of course, you start doing those tests, like everybody takes those tests. Do I have a drinking problem? And you start checking the boxes, and then of course you retake them, and then you you, you fudge the score, and you're really okay, but you know you're not really okay. Uh, Mayor, so, Mayor Top, quick question. So you, yeah. you previously had 14 years of of alcohol free time after the DUI in 1991. Now, did you try in 2017 to quit drinking? And did you tell yourself, "Look, I did 14 years before." And did you have a couple attempts to quit drinking? It didn't go as planned. And then you said, oh, wait a second. I'm going to take some tests and, and make sure I really do need to quit drinking. And I'm going to start adding other resources like Recovery Elevator. Because in my mind, if I had, you know, I did this. I had two and a half years away from alcohol. I was like, oh, I can do this again. I had that. And I tried. Didn't work. Tried again. Didn't work. Tried again. Didn't work. And then I started adding other resources like podcasts. Didn't find one that I gained traction with. It was just kind of why I started my own. Is, is that resonating with you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's always the problem when something for for some reason is easy to you because then it makes you think, you know, you can duplicate that again. You can do it again. And that actually happened. I started, I started drinking back. I mean, like I started, started listening to podcasts in 2017 and then I noticed that my drinking was escalating. And so then I thought, okay, in the summer of 2018, I said, I'm just going to stop drinking uh, to, to kind of to prove to myself that I didn't have a problem. So I went the whole summer without drinking and, and it was, and it was easy. I mean, it, I, did, I went to all these, uh, you know, we have a pool, so we had pool parties, went to events. It wasn't even a problem at all. So I thought, well, that's no problem then. So then around, then around Labor Day, I started, I started drinking again and and right around that time, a friend of mine was having a combination 60th birthday party and 30th wedding anniversary party, and they reserved the church hall for the big celebration. Uh, in, the, in between the time that they reserved the hall and the actual event, which was only a couple of months, he was diagnosed with liver and pancreatic cancer. And he was a very heavy drinker, so you know, it's no, I'm positive it was alcohol-related. So the event comes at the celebration. He's carried into the hall and placed in a lounger, and it was basically a living wake rather than the uh, the festive event oh, wow. that he had been planning. Yeah, and so that got my attention because he was actually younger than me, and my health has always been excellent. And I do the yearly physicals, and you know everything comes out everything comes out well. I exercise, but you start to w- wonder about it. And then I noticed, then I started getting an irritation in my throat from drinking whiskey, and of course, you know, I convinced myself. It was uh, you know precursor of throat cancer, and so then I thought I should quit. But that was the problem after the after the summer, and I thought, well, I'm just going to stop completely. And that kicked off about five months of day ones, and it was and I wasn't firmly committed. It wasn't like I'm absolutely not. I'm going to say no. I'm just you know I drank today. I'm just not going to drink tomorrow. Next day would come, and the problem that I had was that I when I would cook. It was nothing better to me than cooking and having a glass of whiskey while I was cooking. So I cooked every day, so I was drinking every day. So I went for, I literally went for five months of day one, just, just never being able to, to get untracked. 
And, and Mayor Top, let me ask you yeah. a question about those five months of day ones. Was there a morning in there where there was intense frustration or demoralization or you wanted to just give up? Or were you, would you tell yourself, what is going on? I had 14 years before. I just did the whole summer of 2018 alcohol-free. Why can't I get this again? Yeah, it was, it was more like – it was more of a frustration because – it was, yeah, I mean, it was obviously there's that, there's that, that shame and guilt thing in the morning and you're like, come on, you know, you, why, you know, you don't need to do this every single day, you know, but, it, but I was doing it every single day and I wasn't drinking a lot. That's the thing. So it was never like a hangover issue in, uh, you know, in, in 25 years or, or in, in 45 years of work, I've never missed a day uh, because of drinking a day of work. So it was, wasn't at that level. It was just, it was just, it was ridiculously consistent. And I just couldn't, I just couldn't break that, that habit. Then finally in mid February of 2019, I got the flu. And like I said, I, I never missed days. I don't think I've missed 10 were uh, called in sick 10 times in 25 years. I doubt it's even that many, but it was a bad case of the flu. And I actually ended up missing two days at work. So I'm at home recuperating and, but that didn't stop me from drinking. And I was, you know, I was trying to hide the fact that I was drinking. So finally my wife looks at me and says, have you been drinking? You know, and she didn't say a word. She, she, she just shook her head. And it was like, whoa, uh, what am I going to say? And the next day was February 17th. And that's when I joined Cafe Ari and I haven't had a drink since. Yeah, Mayor Tom Top Day, February 17th. I'll never forget that. I know listeners won't either. But with the, with the, with the flu, you found yourself drinking. Um, you're trying to hide it from your wife. Was there part of you that was saying, look, this is, this is messed up. This is insane. This has to change. Oh, absolutely. That was exactly it. It was, it was messed up and it did have to change. And, and I, you know, again, having had, having had long breaks before, I kind of always had the, the confidence that, oh, I could, you know, I could stop anytime I want. But then I got to that point and it was like, I think at that time I, I still thought that I could do it on my own, but I'd been listening to the podcast and I thought, why should I do it alone? Why shouldn't I just throw myself into something that was, you know, totally out of character for me? I've never done social media in my life. I had a Facebook account, but never, never put anything on it. But I thought that would just be, I think I thought I just needed a spark, you know, just something to just ignite, ignite it and get me started. And that's exactly what I needed. And that's exactly what it did. Tom, you dropped a huge value bomb that I want to comment on. But before I do that, I want to go back to the five months of day ones. Now, now listeners, one of the scariest parts of my entire journey was in 2000 when I found myself similarly on about a five month, five months of day ones of day one, two, three, and I drink day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and I drink. I got 14 days, one, uh, 14 days once and I drank, uh, but it was mostly like day ones, day twos. I could make it past the 72 hours, the intense physical with withdrawals, the two nights of no sleep, the third night with crappy sleep and, and then the incredible short memory. I would drink after, after day four. So it was like five months of day ones or twos or threes. And I reached a moment, Tom, what, and it was a definitive moment. Um, and in fact, it was a couple days before I had a failed suicide attempt in 2014 where I didn't think I could beat this. And it was complete demoralization because like you with the 14 years, I had two and a half years and I would always tell myself, oh, I did it once. I can do it again. But I had a moment there where it was terrifying. I was, I was gripped in sheer panic and fear of, oh my gosh, I have beat every challenge 
that I encountered in my entire life, but I don't think I can beat this. And the only reason I'm saying this listeners, because I did, I don't want to say beat this or I got this right. We've learned that lesson, but here I am. Let's just throw it out that way. I made it past that moment. So if listeners, if you're hearing this, Tom had five months of day ones. I had a similar experience with one intense acute moment of pain with, with utter defeat is like, Oh no, I don't think I'm going to be able to beat this or, or make it past this addiction. And, and we both did. So listeners, I just want to throw that out there. If you've reached that moment here, we both are And mayor Tom top. He has his own day. February 17th. Now this value bomb that you just said, we've heard me say it on the podcast, we can't do this alone, but I love how you, you, you took it one step further, Mayor Tom. And you said, why should I do this alone? <laughs> right? Um, why should right. I go through this alone when there's a, a kick-ass group full of camaraderie who, who are doing it together? And why should I have to make this harder than it has to be? So talk to us about that. Why should you do it alone? And then when you, what was it like when you made the decision to reach out for additional accountability? Yeah, I, I really thought, why should I do it alone? Only because I had listened to the podcast and I, and I thought some accountability would help. So when I started in Cafe RE, I started, I, again, not knowing anything about Facebook, but so I started reading posts and started adding some comments. And I eventually, I eventually uh, put a couple of posts up and, and then I started posting some videos, which was which was totally out of character for me. Again, a lot of people in Cafe RE say that is way way outside their comfort zone, and I and I've I've kind of always kind of pushed people to do it because it it, it just makes you a part of the community. It makes people really know you. You're not just you're not just a name. You're not just a name. Who, you know anybody can write a write a, a paragraph on what's going on in their life, but when they see you, they see your video. They really get they really get to know who you are. So I posted videos, but it was like I said, it was surprisingly easy for me, and I still have no idea why. But then I then I connected, and then you start reading posts, and you start seeing people who have not necessarily similar drinking stories at all, but but personalities that you gravitate to. And right at the start, I I came across a a, a woman who has become my best friend named Christy. And, and you know, Christy, and she is, she's awesome. And, and she had a similar sense of humor of mine and which as, to me, sense of humor is very, is very important. And, you know, you might as well, you have to laugh a little bit. You can't take, well, I think you've said you can't take yourself too seriously. Yeah. Rule 22. And so, which, yeah. So, and you, so you don't. And, and so, uh, and so I really, I really connected with her and then that led to connecting with other people as well. And so, and then it led to meetups, which became probably the biggest part of my sobriety and the biggest part of my life. Actually, I don't even say it's a part of sobriety. I don't consider those. I don't consider people on Cafe RE sober friends or they're just, they're my friends. They're my best friends in the world. So uh, I didn't have a lot of friends. I didn't, I kind of had a small, a small world just because of my personality. And now I have friends all over the world. So it's been quite a, it's been quite a journey for me. Yeah. Christy is a rock star. I met her at our retreat in Nashville, I think in February, 2019, a couple of weeks after your sobriety date. Um, and, and Tom, you have fully embraced the community, but there are, there are people that cancel. Sometimes it's not a good fit, but uh, I don't track this anymore, but I used to go through the groups and it was like 80% of people who canceled. didn't even post once. 
So comment on the importance of simply posting. And this isn't so much like a plug for Cafe RE. Comment on the, on the importance of emptying yourself of the contents that are holding you back, whether you're in an AA meeting or a smart recovery meeting or with your doctor or therapist or with a friend, a family member. Um, because that's the same thing as joining the community and not posting is like your best friend asking you, hey, what's going on? You seem off today and you don't open up about it. So talk to us about the importance of the importance of opening up. Well, that's that's critical. People that people that just post are people that don't post. People that just get on there and read the post. I don't think that they're really invested in the process and they're not really making really strong connections. I think it's I think it's it's critical to to totally connect. And if you don't and, and you're right. The people that first of all, I just want to say that I know this sounds like a commercial for Cafe Ari, and that was one of my hesitations about doing this podcast was because it's my entire sobriety story, and there's no way I could tell my story without talking about the impact that Cafe Ari has had on my life. But you're absolutely right. I've seen people that that are there and they leave, or they're or they're struggling. But they're not really putting themselves out there. They're not really connecting. They're not really being a part of the community. And that's, that is so important. There again, that's what I say about the videos. Put a video out there, let people get to know you, really know you. I've reached out to, I'll reach out to people. I've been doing this for a long time. When I see somebody that's struggling, I don't just add a comment to them, although I do that as well, but I'll message them and, and, I don't have any great words of wisdom. I don't have any, you know, I don't have any great knowledge. I can repeat things I've heard on, on your podcast and in books that I've read, but I don't really have any, any answers. I'm not a therapist or a psychologist or a counselor. But the fact that I reach out to them and they know, and they know that there's somebody there that cares, that somebody is worried about them and that somebody will listen to them, that makes all the difference in the world. And and it's just as and that was, these people will tell me, they'll thank me for being there for helping them. And my response is always, I thank them because they do as much for me. They do more for me than I do for them probably. And, and they certainly keep me sober because there's no way I'm going to tell these people that I drank. I mean, talk about the ultimate accountability if you put yourself out there. So that's what people need to do. They need to put themselves out there. They need to connect. They need to start friendships, really close friendships. The people that I've met, we, I have, I'm in, I'm in a couple of Marco Polo groups that's led to meeting, going across the country and meeting people. I've met people from Cafe Ari probably 25 times or 30 times, some such thing. And I, it's just, it just is such a huge part of my life. I absolutely love it. And, you know, the first time I did a, I went to a meetup in Washington, DC because Christy was there and I knew a couple of other people. And then we connected with other people on Cafe Ari and we decided to do a like a getaway weekend and we all there were eight of us and we stayed in a woman's house in houston texas and it was in my family my kids and my wife are like who is this guy you know what a change and i wouldn't even stay with a relative and and become comfortable and i'm going to go across the country and and stay in a house with eight people that i've never met before that's the kind of connection that you make in and we Marco Polo all the time, a video chat all the time. And that's one of the, that's probably a huge, one of the biggest parts of my sobriety as well. It's just, and that, not sobriety, I keep saying sobriety, but it's really, it's a part of my life. It's just, it's friendship, it's community, it's love, it's support. The best thing about K 
cafe re or, or a group like that is that there is no judgment you know you can get on there you can say anything and no matter what you say there's somebody else on the group that's already that's, that's experienced the same thing it's gone through what you've gone through and and nobody nobody ever is judgmental and so I've never experienced that in my life. I've never, I don't have to worry about anything that I say or anything that's been in my past. I can put it out there and, you know, and these people know where the bodies are buried. It's just, it's, it's so comfortable, but you have to connect. You can't just post and say, Oh, I feel like drinking today. uh, And and I, and I have to uh, drive by a liquor store. Well, that doesn't tell any of the story. And, and if people don't know you and don't know what you're about and what you're actually dealing with, they really can't support you. And and Mayor Top, I have tried to write a manual of how to get the most out of Cafe Are you really any community and depart from addiction, but what you just said, I'm gonna go back and record the MP three and just upload a sound file with that. I'm I'm kidding, but how you said that <laughs> and how you connected, you met with almost thirty people outside of the groups, you got a post, you did videos, you have a Facebook account, but it wasn't really active. You got on there and you fully you, you pushed through your, your comfort zone and you did it. And I want to ask you with, with the day ones, you said you had five months and I had plenty of day ones myself. And I know when you've done graphics, I've, I've actually made graphics before in the past and they've messaged me and said, look, like I drank, I, I didn't hit that milestone. And I'm pretty sure you've experienced this too. Uh, day ones are, uh, they're, they're common, right? Many people think that I quit drinking on September 7th and never looked back from 2014, but there were plenty of day ones. So what can you say to people out there that are struggling making it past day one? Well, that's funny because I've posted on, on cap, I've done a video and I basically say, you know, I joined cafe Ari on, you know, February 17th. And I haven't drank since then for over a year, but you know, and I'm not, and I don't hide the fact that, yeah, but the five months before that I drank virtually every single day. So people look at me and it's like a one and done. Oh, that's easy. You know, anybody could, you know, it was so easy for you because you just joined and all of a sudden, you know, everything opened up. That's not the case at all. I just, I just waited. A lot of people join at the beginning of those five months, I happened to join after those five months. So that was the big difference. But getting started, I mean, the biggest thing you have to do is you have to change everything that you're doing. Not just, and I know I've heard, I've heard this somewhere. Everything that you're doing isn't working for you. So in my case, for example, it was, I knew that the hardest thing for me was going to be, I don't go out to bars. That was never an issue for me. I go to a wedding in, 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 you know, or out with friends and not drink because I had done that a lot. But I knew the biggest problem for me was going to be walking in the door at night and making a nice dinner. Cause I cook, I do all the cooking in the house and I, and I cook every night. And so it was a ritual. And so you have to just do something that's going to just break that pattern. And so I stopped cooking for a while. I literally stopped work cooking for a while. And so we would bring in fast food or we would, you know, or I'd make a couple of meals on a Saturday or a Sunday and just we'd reheat them. So I didn't have that. I didn't have that time in the kitchen. And whenever I felt like this would be a time that maybe I would want to be drinking, I, I, I walk, I walk a lot. I walk along the lake here. And so, uh, and that's kind of what I, that's my advice to people all the time on, on cafe area is if you're at a wedding, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're at home, you, you, you're tempted, go for a walk, 
just get some fresh air, clear your head, think about it. Uh, the cravings will go away and, and you could do a little, a little reset. So that's always worked for me. And, and I think, but I think you, de- you really have to change everything. People say, Oh, when I drive, I go to a, my grocery store has a big, you know, wine section. Well, don't go to that grocery store. You know, I'm, obviously, though, you can't avoid alcohol because you can't go to Walmart. You can't go to a drugstore. You can't go anywhere without seeing it. But you can you can avoid putting yourself in, in risky situations. And particularly in early sobriety, people are always just worried. Oh, uh, you know, if, if, here's the one thing. You need to change your friend. This was actually one of my... Uh, favorite one of my sayings uh, favorite sayings is you want to surround yourself by people who lift you up who make you better and it's not that person on the next bar stool that's not the person that does that for you so you don't have to just because you've gone out with people to a bar every saturday night are they really are they is that really in your best interest are these really are these really true friends are these really important people in your life so you have to kind of evaluate that and you make changes and I th- people are usually surprised at how things, how much better things turn out when they do make decisions like that, when they kind of get some of these, end some of these toxic relationships. Tom Top, since February 17th of 2019, what's been the biggest challenge you've overcome, whether it be emotions or simply dealing with life without alcohol? And what are the strategies and techniques you use to overcome them? I'm, I'm very fortunate to have a lot of support from my wife. And I immediately threw myself into close relationships with a lot of people in, in Cafe Ari. And I brought my wife into the, into the mix. So on the Marco Polos, she knows all the people that I Marco Polo with as well as I know them. And so I think a lot of times in, in sobriety, people in a lot of marriages, one person becoming sober can drive a wedge into the wed- into the marriage and become a separator, but it actually brought us closer together. And, and the fact that I've been able to, that I've been so open with other people has helped me open up with her about things uh, that I normally wouldn't have. So I haven't, I didn't, I didn't really have any, any, I mean, I was so busy. <laughs> I, I've just kept myself so busy working on sobriety, but just, just, trying to be of service and trying to support people that it really doesn't cross my mind. I, I have had very few thoughts of drinking in the last year, to be honest. So let's talk about what you said earlier. My whole life has been filled with anxiety and, and you're a shy person. How has that been without alcohol? And, and now you're facing that at face value without alcohol. How's that been for you? Well, I think I've always kind of, I've always had a bit of an inferiority complex, you know, a less than view of myself. And I didn't go to college. I graduated from high school, started, started working as a graphic artist a day after high school and I'm well read. And I think I'm fairly articulate. So I don't, I don't, at this point, I don't really feel that that's a problem in my life, but I always did. I would go to I would go to parties and people there would be professionals and they would be educators and there'd be this and there'd be that. And I just really felt insecure about it. And when I joined Cafe RE, that would have been something that it, that should have made me very self-conscious because Cafe RE is filled with amazing people. It's filled with lawyers, lots of lawyers. It's filled with uh, nurses and, and, and therapists and counselors and doctors and dentists. And, and people that I may have been intimidated by meeting or 
are communicating with, but there's that big equalizer. We're all there for a reason. Everybody is completely honest and sharing their darkest secrets. So that gave, that, that has given me confidence just in going on meetups. It's the same thing that people like go to meetups with are people that I may not have been that comfortable with in years past, but now I just feel, and I think I have something to offer. And I think that I'm, I think that I'm making a difference in people's lives. And I think that that just makes me, that gives, that makes me feel good about myself, which translates into being more outgoing and more sociable. And so that's really made a big, that's, that's what's caused the change in my life. So I don't have that. I mean, obviously some situations there's still some anxiety, but nothing like there, nothing like there was before. Doctors, lawyers, engineers, nurses, professionals. We even had a, a, a fortune 500 CEO in there. And the, the person made me promise I wouldn't reveal that person's name, but uh, this doesn't discriminate and it doesn't matter if you're uh, where you're from, what race, what background, what your profession is. Yeah. It, I love how you said the word equalizer. We're all coming together with the collective goal in mind, which is ditching the booze and the camaraderie behind that and how we all came together with crisis, but we found this tremendous opportunity, a better life without alcohol. And Mayor Top, I got one more question before we hit the rapid fire round, and that's what excuse did you used to tell yourself as to why you couldn't quit drinking? It probably wasn't an excuse as to why I couldn't. It was an excuse to why, why should I? You know, you talk yourself out of the fact that you convince yourself that it's really, again, you know, I haven't had the 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 huge lows that some people have had in their lives but there's so many people like me out there that are just kind of going along they they realize it's not really the best lifestyle but it's not that bad so and then they don't want to take the they don't want to take the plunge but i so i i think i i didn't really have a reason to not do it i mean i actually i guess when i did start i did think it would it would make me uh, even less sociable than I was. And as it turns out, that was exactly the opposite. Mayor Top, we are almost done here. How are you feeling? You're doing great. Yeah, I'm doing fine. feel fine. Yeah, you're rocking it. Rapid fire round. Answer the questions within 30 seconds. Question one, here we go. What is a light bulb moment you've had on this journey? I think it had to be uh, realizing that drinking wasn't a solution for anxiety. It was more of a cause for anxiety. And what's a memorable moment a life without alcohol has given you? Meetups. Absolutely meetups. That the first meetup I did in with a group of people in Houston, we've met uh we had another meetup in thirteen of us staying in a bed and breakfast at a lake house in North Carolina. Not a bed and breakfast, an Airbnb. And then just last week there were ten of us staying in a Airbnb in Las Vegas. Those are absolutely amazing experiences. Uh, Mayor Top, are you coming to Denver this June 11th to 13th? I'm not sure yet. Well, I'm not sure if, I could, if I'll be able to do that. Well, if you're not, <laughs> I will be the most popular person there, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> kidding. I really hope Maybe you Maybe I'll have to come. I don't know. Well, you know, like, <laughs> well, thank you. run by me first. I'm just kidding. I'd love to have you there. Please, please do your best to make <laughs> it. And next question, what's Thanks. your favorite alcohol-free drink? Oh, it's the uh, Virgin Whiskey and Diet Coke, but it has to be Virgin Canadian Whiskey not bourbon virgin canadian whiskey i've been doing this for 270 episodes and rarely does one speak it's just by a me. diet coke oh that's it it's just a diet coke yeah Gosh. diet coke you are definitely way cooler than i am mayor top okay all right 
Next question. What are, or what's on your bucket list in an alcohol-free life? Really, uh, just doing the same. There are so many people in Cafe RE that I want to meet. There's a, there's a friend of mine in Northern Ireland. There's, there's people in Australia. I know you just met all those great people in Australia. And there's people all over this country and Canada. And there's so many that I've connected with that I feel a real closeness to. And I just want to keep doing that. I'm going to be retiring in the next you know, couple of years. And my wife and I will be doing a lot of traveling. But even when we travel now, every time we travel, we it's a, there's always a, a meetup involved. We drive into the East Coast uh, down I-90, and I say, oh, I know, uh, I know of a, a person that, that's right here in the Finger Lakes. And so we'll call and I'll set up and I'll meet her for lunch on the way, that kind of thing. So it's just be more of the same. I just, uh, I just really, really enjoy it. Mayor Top, what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners? Really uh, connect, 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 connect on a personal level. That's really the best way to, it's the best way to get through life, period. But it certainly is the way to uh, deal with uh, deal with sobriety. And also, the in my other advice is surround yourself by those people that make you better. That's 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 worked miracles for me. And before we depart, your own customize. You might need to ditch the booze if line. Well, I'm going to have to borrow one because I love this line. I love this story so much. But uh, when we were at the meetup in North Carolina, a friend of mine said we were talking about things that people did when they were drinking. And one was ordering stuff on Amazon.com and having it show up. But he took it one step further. He actually ordered a cello uh, when he was drinking. And he doesn't play any musical instrument or a cello, but he ordered this cello and it showed up at his house. So I thought that was a book. I think you might have a problem if you're doing that. Wow. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Went right for the cello. That's a big box. <laughs> Mayor Top, everybody. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. You rock the mic. How do you think you did? Well, I wouldn't mind a do-over probably, but I think I did okay. You did awesome. Except for except for missing up except for messing up my sobriety. Yeah, day your sobriety. Other day. Than that. I was like, did you Wait, say 2018, Mayor? <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Oh, I don't want to correct God. the mayor right now within 30 seconds of the interview, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure you got the uh, the most important date in your life wrong. <laughs> yeah, I rallied after that. So no, I'm yeah, yeah, great recovery. All right, thank you so much for joining us, Mayor Top. Thank you, Paul, for having me. So everything fits. Everything has a purpose and a role, including an addiction, right? In my view, an addiction is something that guides us in a direction, and it does have a place in society. If it didn't, it wouldn't be here. So here's what I think the coronavirus is trying to tell us. Yo, humans, this is a message from the coronavirus. It's saying, I'm here to help. I've recently noticed that animal levels have declined by 60% in the past 50 years, that only 10% of sharks remain in the oceans due to overfishing from humans. Did you all notice the floating island of plastic the size of Texas in the ocean? I certainly did. I don't think your species is going to reverse global warming, so let me try. Addiction, which is your most pressing pandemic at this time, is no more than disconnection. And I'm here to guide you, to tell you, to take a seat, to open a book and slow down. Stop focusing on growth and what you don't have and recognize what you do have. Everything you need for a happy life is right here in front of you. 
So let's all slow it down a bit, give the earth a much-deserved break, and get to know each other a little better. FaceTime with your family, reconnect with a friend, learn a new skill or hobby, and just wait till my work is done. Recovery elevator. You took the elevator down. You got to take the stairs back up. I love you guys. We can do this in these unprecedented times. <laughs>